welcome to LTN Rewind, taking a deep dive into the archives of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network. Today, we're taking you back to a classic episode of Humans of Gaming, hosted by Drew Dixon and Chris Gwaltney, with the episode for Paul Short of Exploding Kittens, as he joins them to talk about life in Detroit area, Michigan, working as a graphic designer for healthcare interface design. He was brought on board to work for the popular card game. The conversation turns to his younger years, the religion of his family growing up, and the pros and cons of having a silo culture environment. Let's not wait a moment longer. This is the Humans of Gaming podcast, an open and honest conversation about games, life, and belief. Drew Dixon. I'm the chief content nerd at Love Thy Nerd, and I'm joined with Chris Gwaltney. Hey, Chris. Yo, I'm Chris. I'm the chief executive nerd with Love Thy Nerd, and uh, we co-host this here podcast, Humans of Gaming, and we try to get to know the humans behind the games that we love and play and buy and not play and hope to play someday. For sure. So we have a special guest today, and that's Paul Short. Hey, Paul. Hey, I'm I'm special. Well, <laughs> that remains well, we'll to be seen. Yeah. All right, <laughs> it does kind of make it less special when we say every week that they're special, right? Hmm. So maybe we should come up with some other descriptors. Yeah, dastardly. I, <laughs> this is our dastardly guest, or like a or cuddly or something, <laughs> something like that could be uh, fun. Yeah, I don't think you guys have ever Which, seen me. I mean, I, I appreciate all the, the descriptions. They're they're fun. <laughs> Which of those? Uh, you have to choose one: dastardly or cuddly. Which oh, you go with? Dear Lord, they're so close. I would go with <laughs> dastardly. No, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think I'm going to regret that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, uh, Paul, what what do you do in the games industry? How would you frame what what you do to our listeners? Um, yeah, I'm a graphic artist slash designer slash I, I draw things mm. and I illustrate and I do production uh, creation. Oh, I could do this all day. Basically, <laughs> I'm, I'm a graphic artist and I work for Exploding Kittens. Yeah. So Never that's a game people might have heard of. Tell us about Exploding Kittens. Uh, Exploding Kittens uh, is a card game that's a lot like uh, Russian Roulette, uh, with a bit of a twist. Uh, I mean, a little safer. It, yeah, much safer, uh, unless you're really violent with the cards. But um, it, it's got a little bit of it's got a little bit of Uno in there. It's a real quick, fun icebreaker kind of a party game. It's one that you can pick up and not have to worry about much. That's you're not going to be playing it for hours and hours unless you want to so yeah i've had that happen before with exploding kittens where it just went on and on and on because (laughs) because of the way the deck was set up it was totally the fault of the guy who set up the deck it it sounds like something went wrong it was uh what are those there's like cards that you can play that um oh gosh that like let you 
uh, reshuffle the deck and things like that. You know what I'm talking about? Well, yep. yeah, we have, we have shuffle cards. It's called yeah. shuffle. <laughs> well, I know, but like they were, they were um, essentially like, you know, you've gotten after a while, you've gotten most of the exploding kittens. You know, they they've they've detonated and most of the people are dead or whatever. Well, like if you're do there, there's some sort of thing we were playing with, with that let you like you know, set up the deck to where it was essentially safer. You know what I mean? Um, I forget how it worked, but I just Had remember it going on and on. Yeah. Sorry. This is an exciting radio. Uh, <laughs> Had to be there. The geography but joke. All that to say, like, it wasn't the fault of the game. It was totally the fault of the guy, the way he, the way he, he kind of set up the deck. So that's my theory anyway. I but mean, it's, it's, it's we, I played it several times. It's super fun. Um, Chrissy, I assume you've played Exploding Kittens, right? Seems like that's yeah. the sort of game like everybody's played. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's good to yeah, hear. I mean, it's just a quick, fun, like very accessible, even kind of a gateway game. I think for people that aren't, you know, they still think of like Uno or Skipbo as like cool, good card games. Um, it's a it's a good game for those folks to see. Like, oh, there's other games out there, you know. Yeah, hopefully it becomes one of those classics that falls right into that category you just listed out. And the art on the cards is the perfect balance between uh, creepy and funny. <laughs> yeah, if you, <laughs> yeah, it, it just gives you that the, tingly feeling inside. Especially the not safe for work version. Yeah, I don't know if you've picked up those cards yet, but oh yeah, I have it. Okay. But I have a friend that has it. I haven't looked at him yet. Yeah, it's they're they're pretty hilarious. Yeah, and um, we we thank we thank the oatmeal for that great art. <laughs> the oatmeal yeah. is that? Oh yeah, uh, the oatmeal. He's a he's a web comic. Uh, he's been doing. Um, oh, he started out as <laughs> this could be a podcast about Matt the oatmeal. <laughs> he started out <laughs> as a as a, a IT guy um, was doing like SEO for websites and stuff, and went into like web comedy um and gained a huge following and it was him you've seen and, it drew yeah it was him and alan lee and uh chase small uh who created exploding kittens together and then and now we're here but that that's a brief description of the oatmeal in a nutshell okay gotcha so how did you get involved with exploding kittens and making uh, art for for games and things? Uh, it's funny, actually. Before this, I was working for uh, a healthcare company. Um, Naturally, and, ooh, yeah, living right, the dream, doing a, a user user interface design uh, and some UX work. And uh, a friend of mine who follows the oatmeal, um, but pretty religiously, sent me this uh, this job description there this game called exploding kittens that i hadn't heard of at the time this was like three years ago and um she sent me this tweet that said we're looking for a designer and i thought why not i'll throw mine out there and i created a resume and a note card uh, specifically designed to look like matt's work uh, the oatmeal's work and i got a call back and oh, nice. the rest was history. I left a job I actually really enjoyed to take it. Um, yeah. So, but you were doing, for this healthcare company, you, you were doing user interface design as opposed to graphic design. Is that right? 
Yeah, and it's all sort of it, it all sort of bleeds into each other. But yeah, it's okay. uh, artwork, um, design work for d- different. I don't know products and healthcare systems and applications and stuff like that. Our particular- I guess I think of UI as more functionality, but I guess it really does have a strong visual component to it. Generally, yeah. How does this button look? Do I right. do I put a yeah, drop yeah. shadow on it or not? That's really important. Like that's a huge. Yeah, people got to want to click that button, to, you know? Right, yeah. It's a huge element to whether something's useful and, and usable and inviting. So, yeah, we were always yeah. the free spirits, and it was UX that would constantly yell at us about how stupid our buttons were because they didn't follow UX <laughs> protocols and stuff like that. So. But what did, what did the users think of your buttons, though? That's You know, that's we, didn't get, <laughs> right, we didn't get a lot of, uh, of the the quality control stuff that we tested. I mean, we were part of it sometimes. And for the most part, we hit the mark for the most part. But yeah, they, yeah. Like, they like my buttons. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did you like, have you always been a gamer? Was that something that's always interested you? The idea of like working in the games industry or did it just kind of, kind of came out of nowhere? It fell into my lap. I was not looking for it. Um, but I play tons of games. I mean, I was—I'd say I'm more of a video gamer than uh, a tabletop or card gamer. Yeah. What's your What's your jam like? What do you like to play in oh, video games? Dear God! Right. Well, the Steam sale is happening right now, so this is really cutting into my Rip. shopping time. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, we'll try to wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. Can we just maybe another five minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, what do I? I play? gotta play some games too. So. Uh, right now, I'm really into the PS4 VR stuff. Uh, some of my friends are really getting into that stuff. So, oh yeah, just uh, shooters and some strategy. I don't know. I'm all over the map. I don't really have a jam cool. per se. Nice. Okay, so you've always been into video games, but this sort of just kind of um, kind of fell into your lap. You weren't really expecting it. Sounds like no, not at all. And I'm glad they called me back because this has been a real ride. What's it been like? I mean, working for I think. I'm probably not alone in the perception of exploding kittens and like, you know, your guys' presence at conventions and stuff. Like it's goofy as hell. I mean, <laughs> that I think that's probably a shared perception for most people. So I'm sure a lot of people want to know like what is the work environment like? What's that culture like, you know, the last three years or you said that's how long you've been with them? Yeah. Yeah, they were probably operating for about a year before I came on board. Um, and it, it was small. I mean, a very small startup, maybe 10 mm-hmm. or less people, um, which is sort of new to me. I mean, coming from a ginormous healthcare right, yeah. company. So, so yeah. jumping into, uh, startup environment was kind of tough. Um, especially being a remote, uh, a remote employee, uh, everybody else is just, in one room, one small room, and I'm here alone. So, so alone. (laughs) (laughs) And it's still tough. I'm, you know, I'm still working remote there out of LA. I get a chance to uh, go out there on occasion, but it's the ability to create is so much fun because we're just trying to make experiences for people to just enjoy so yeah like you mentioned the cons we do i don't have you seen our booth at any of the cons oh yeah every time it's hard to miss yeah. 
the uh, vending the human vending machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite things for sure at every convention. And every convention, it just continuously draws huge lines. Um, yeah, and I haven't been in a while. It's kind of nice not to because it is exhausting work. So yeah. at this point, yeah, yeah, you have to be the arms of the machine sometimes. Uh, yeah, either you're creating the crazy stuff that's coming out, or you're operating the signs that say your purchase has is happening or yeah <laughs> or you're the magician in the back doing things for the kids i don't know it's there's so many bodies for yeah for one thing <laughs> so it's exhausting and speaking of uh sorry speaking of conventions tell us about burning cat you know i can't say a lot about burning cat outside of what we've already posted yeah, so, well, I assume there's people listening that don't even know anything about it. I know, and now you're going to actually make me go to the website and read it. <laughs> oh, I thought you'd have it memorized word for word by now. Frankly, I, I haven't been, I'm, I'm not on that committee. So, yeah. yeah. Well, not yet. You keep so, playing your cards right. <laughs> well, well said. Burn, burning Cat, an event from the creators of Exploding Kittens. <laughs> what is it? Burning Cat wow. is a conv- Do you want me to do this? <laughs> I'm oh, doing this it. This feels like so tailored to our experience <laughs> right now. So it's an Exploding Kittens convention. Yeah. Uh, it, what we're trying to do, I think, is just make something that fixes a lot of the things that other conventions do wrong. You could say, um, like, make conventions great again. Oh, nope. Nope. <laughs> I won't do it. You can have yeah. that. Hey, uh, you guys can have that. Make a hat. Give me 10% oh, of kickback. You're that's welcome. A, that's a gift. I really appreciate that. That'll gift. draw longer lines at, the, at your vending machine. No. Uh... <laughs> um, so what what are some of the things that you said you're going to try to, like, one of your goals is to fix some of the things that you don't like about, um, that you and your team don't like about uh, conventions. What What are some examples of that? Again, I'm reading the bullet points. This is the worst. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. We keep asking you about this thing that you're not like super involved in. I know. You know, this is one of the things that I really should have spent some time on before we uh, started talking. That's okay. It sounds like it's going to be fun. Where is it going to be? We're actually doing it at the Oregon Convention Center in Oregon. Nice. Cool. Well, people should definitely uh, check that out and... uh, yeah, you can. I don't think it involves actual actual burning of any cats, right? No, and I'm sure we'll get an earful from, you know, animal rights activists as PETA, yeah, and that's been happening for years anyway. Um, and, <laughs> from you know, your game, you've gotten like, oh yeah, uh, crap from PETA. Yep. What did they get upset about? Like just the jokes? Oh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's it's in the name. It's. I guess the argument is it's uh, fantasizing or glorifying violence toward animals. I, even though we're not, I, you we're not hurting <laughs> any animals. We're not. They're not really. Exploring. You heard it here first, folks. They're not. <laughs> it's it's uh, it just plays on the curiosity of cats and just they're always around explosives in our game for some reason. They're they're batting the wires of the. The brick of C four. That's not. Yeah, it's not my fault. Just He's normal cat stuff. <laughs> cat stuff. Yeah, for sure. Just yeah. cat things. 
So you've been there now for how long? I guess about three years now, yeah. Okay. And correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, at one point, Exploding Kittens had, like, the largest Kickstarter, like, card game Kickstarter for a while? Had that yeah. yeah, I think it still holds a record, but we have to be specific about it. So it might be, like, the top-funded card game. Yeah. yeah. That's, That's usually how records work. You just... Yeah clarify it, it enough you have a record in something <laughs> yeah and it keeps yeah. getting smaller you know as time yeah. passes but yeah um it was like it was just under nine million it was like 8.8 .8 million uh we were asking wow. for 10 grand to to get it produced <laughs> uh so Gosh. we hit that mark <laughs> yeah. they just gave you the rest over the 10 over the 10 grand yeah yeah pretty well That's i mean nice. we have to produce right so that eight million comes with all of the things we promised. So that's a lot of people getting a lot of games. Oh, for sure. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it all sort of evens out. I mean, whether we got ten grand, we'd just be making a lot less product. So has working there like it increased your interest? I'm just I'm always curious with people in the games industry. Has it deepened your love for for games, or is it kind of like you get to the end of the day and you're like, oh gosh, I want to do anything but see or play a game <laughs> uh no it's a, it's increased my interest in other games there there's a fleet of games out there that i never knew existed and we play them and we test them and uh, that part's great uh it's when we're play testing our own games where we're playing the same thing over and <laughs> over again that's yeah. then we're at the point where we're done. We really don't <laughs> want to test that game again. Right. I feel like you're one of the first designers I've talked to that actually admitted to getting burned out on playtesting. Yeah. I, don't I feel like most of the people I've talked to or even people we've had on the podcast are like, oh, yeah, we playtested like 400,000 times and I still love the game. I'm like, you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. Yeah. I. Yeah. I think the the simpler the game is, the more tolerable. I'm sorry, tolerable it can be in a repetitive mm -hmm. nature because there's still, especially with exploding kittens. I mean, that as a flagship has just been. I can still play that game, and there are different strategies to keep playing, even though it's not that complicated. Um, but some of the other ones, uh, some of the ones that take a little bit longer, I just you don't want to pick them up. Not like. Not like every weekend. So where did you grow up? Uh, right here, uh, southeast Michigan. Okay. Born and uh, and what your what your folks do? Uh, my mom was well. She's a stay at home mom. Uh, my dad has uh, he's done a lot of things. I don't know. Right, he's retired now. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's done a lot of things. He's retired. And he texts me sometimes. What does he text right. you about? Uh, last time it was, he was asking me if I wanted to take a ride in uh, vintage airplanes. Oh, oh, that sounds cool. Uh, sure. Did you do it? You, you, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even like flying commercially. I wasn't about getting, an, uh, getting an old World, World War II bomber that things probably should have been decommissioned long ago. I, I'm not yeah. that adventurous. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. And then he's like, to make, he thought he was making it better. He's like, oh, well, they also have biplanes. 
I'm like, that's not better. <laughs> that's open air. <laughs> You're going to fall out. I'm a big man. I mean, I catch wind. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> so, so you, does your, is your dad a pilot or does he just have <laughs> no. connections somehow to r- take rides in these planes? No, it was just an event here in Michigan somewhere where it was like, I don't know, like an air show or something where they were uh, charging for, for scary, dangerous plane rides. So what was, uh, what was life like in, you said Southeast Michigan? (laughs) Yeah. Um, It was fine. (laughs) (laughs) I could, I could really stand to move somewhere else at this point. Yeah. I don't know. I'd, I'd love to end up in LA where the company is or somewhere out West would be really nice. Uh, but yeah. but growing up here was I, it's Michigan. If you've never been, it's it's beautiful when it wants to be. So you mean it's beautiful like in the summer, and then horribly cold in the in the uh, yeah um, winter. <laughs> yeah, just like you guys saw on the news, we got those negative forty cold snaps that mm-hmm. where people were just freezing in in uh, in place. I'm sure that happened. Yeah. That doesn't sound like something that <laughs> they happened. They walked outside and just no, that's, that's science. froze. It's yeah. basically that's the same what... thing that happened to Chicago. Chicago got it real bad, too. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah. It gets really cold. Yeah. So, I'd love so was um, did you grow up in like a church or anything? What, what Was your family religious? Yeah, my, uh, my grandfather on my mom's side was a pastor. And, uh, God, I'm trying to remember what, uh, your grandfather, or your grandmother, I'm sorry. Grandfather. Grandfather. Okay. Yeah. Grandfather was a pastor. Yeah. What kind, like what kind of, I, I know, know what kind? I'm trying to remember what denomination it was. It was somewhere along the lines of like Nazarene or Pentecostal or okay. uh, something like that. So on that side of the family, I grew up with a lot of, uh, speaking in tongues and, uh, um, we, yeah, I mean, where you get... Like, Did you do it? Did you speak in tongues? No, I was always weirded out by it as a kid. I mean, I was used yeah. to it, but yeah. I could never wrap my head around it. And my grandparents and my mom and so on, they tried to explain what it was and give me the, the, the rules of how it works. Uh-huh. And uh, it's all Holy Spirit-based. And I wish they'd I wish they had like a manual or something. I, it would have made it so much easier. <laughs> Mm. Um, it's the yeah. bible yeah right. they would have told you that's the bible <laughs> but it's still yeah which is super clearish yeah i felt clear-ish. the same way when i've experienced it and i sort of feel a little i'm always a little reticent to talk about it just because i did not grow up in that kind of like faith tradition like speaking in tongues and stuff was not a part of my upbringing at all so i don't want to like i don't know offend anyone i guess that grew up in that and appreciates it but i just i'm the same way i just didn't ever experience it really even and so the few times that i did as an adult it's just like oh i don't i have the same way like i wouldn't even know how do i get into that i don't even i, I couldn't tell you the i couldn't tell you step one yeah I'm and a, I still i've kept the streak alive and i've gone my entire life having never been around it you've oh. never heard anyone speak in tongues never Oh, and I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> I would well, say it's worth seeking out at least once. It's an interesting experience, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would affirm that. It's definitely interesting. So, so did your parents like? 
were you ever made to feel like kind of guilty because you didn't do this or like, like you should or something? No, no, it was never like that. Oh, that's good. Um, and it, my parents were divorced early on. I was nine. Okay. Um, and mm-hmm. there, there were two completely different, uh, church experiences. Um, so yeah. while my mom's <laughs> side was, uh, more into the, the spirit driven, you know, language and expression. Uh, my dad was the super conservative, uh, quiet, you know, be seen, not heard church. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was just real conservative Baptist. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So that's gotta be pretty interesting. Like having a foot in both those camps growing up, did you feel like maybe you resonated with one more than the other or like neither or both? Uh, neither. Uh, my <laughs> wife and I, my wife and I, um, both, uh, fell in love with the idea of non-denominational and just mm. the openness of being able to, uh, worship without like weird constraints. We were, uh, were, honey, were we a part of the Lutheran church? Were we members? Uh, I was, you were. Did you get kicked out? Yes. <laughs> yeah, Do I you just want to get her? We just let's just switch. We'll just get her on here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just switch out. See, we work in the we we both work at home. We have one office. Yeah, yeah. So she's yeah. here to support my questions. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there was some excommunication. Basically, we didn't. Oh, um, we didn't tithe enough at the time, or we didn't, we didn't oh, go wow. enough Sundays. That was, yeah, her side of the family is a mix between Catholic and Lutherans, which are... That's hardcore, man. Yeah. I. So, it was, it, you said it was a mix of not tithing regularly, slash not showing up? Yeah, it was something. We got married in that particular church. Um, okay. Which, that was a, that was an uphill battle, too. Um, we... In what way? Well... They're pretty strict about how you set yourself up before marriage. So you're, they want to make sure that you're in that you're in different living environments. You're not living together, and that was the mm-hmm. thing for us. Um, we were, and we yeah. ended up. We put a lot of effort into uh, exposing some of the hypocrisy <laughs> on what they oh, were trying to say. We had pledged. Uh, we had pledged not to you know, sleep with each other, stuff like that before marriage. And, um, the church just, you, you, that didn't, it didn't work that way because they couldn't like watch you 24 seven or like right. really trust you. Um, so uh, the, the pastor at the time reluctantly agreed based on our argument. Um, and we, we got married. Reluctantly then, agreed to let you get married. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. We took, we took okay. required classes to make sure we were compatible or, or whatever it was. I mean, there's so many rules. Yeah. <laughs> just why, uh, why were you at this church? Because it was the church that my wife grew up in. It's the church that okay. her parents belonged to. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I could have taken it or left it. I, it didn't matter to me, but it mattered to her and it mattered to their family. So, um, but we picked that battle and we fought it and we got married. So, I mean, it all worked out in the end. So, uh, so you guys were, so I guess growing up then would you have, um, you, you thought of yourself as a Christian, I guess you, you, um, 
you would have said, oh, yeah, that, that's me. Uh, is, that, is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I don't think there was ever a point where I didn't identify religiously as Christian. Okay. Gotcha. So is that like, where are you at now? Are you guys still, is that how you'd still classify yourself or? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Um, for me now, it's, it's a lot of, uh, oh, I'm mean, trying to try not to get too heavy, I suppose. Um, We're ready. <laughs> I'm not sure I am. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of what you see in you know, politics right now uh, with mm-hmm. things that I would consider like hypocrisy, uh, you know, f- from the right and the, the being judgmental, et cetera, et cetera, which I, I know there's arguments on both sides, but that I, I guess if I were to label myself, it would be fairly liberal for, uh, a Christian. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So what are some examples of that? I'm curious. Cause some, I think there's a whole spectrum, right. Of, of, of what people mean by that. So yeah, I, yeah, I'd be curious if you have an example. Yeah. It's a lot of it is uh, acceptance of other religions, of uh, of lifestyles, of uh, just loving your fellow man as a foundation for who you should be as a person. Um, and I think a lot of that uh, falls by the wayside um, in some of the more strict uh, churches or uh Christian denominations, uh, not all. Um, and yeah, it, it just seems like the, the more vocal of those who are Christian are typically right wing. And the, and I'm still like finding people who identify as like left or democratic. They don't mm-hmm. talk a lot about religion, you know, uh, watching the democratic, uh, debates last night. I think it was uh, yeah. Pete Buttigieg who said something along those lines that was actually quite nice to hear. And it was oh, was uh, that there was like a line about like a moral monopoly or something like that. Yeah, a moral just, monopoly on religion. Or he took sort of a hard line that said, "If you think this particular way, you probably it, you're, you're not a good. You shouldn't be calling yourself a Christian." <laughs> and it was boom a little, yeah a little maybe a little harsh like, was but... this with regard to like the the uh children that are being detained or what what was the yeah context? you know what i think that was the primary context in the whole thing okay uh if i remember correctly i uh i didn't i saw a, a good sound bite of it uh this morning i didn't, mm-hmm. yeah. I didn't stay up all last night to to watch it. That's a lot of, that's a lot. Yeah. Well, that is like, I don't want, we tried not to get too political on the show, but that is one thing that I'm in a way thankful for in our current, um, political climate. That's like super, um, sucky. Like, kind of, like sucky. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Super sucky is that I think a lot of hypocrisy is being exposed. Um, now of course a lot of people are just doubling down on it and kind of owning it and just being like, well, this is who I am. This is who we are. And, um, that part's really sad, but I do think some hypocrisy is being exposed. And my hope is that maybe 
some of that um some of those attitudes and perspectives and even policy actions will change because we realize how that's, that's, that's gotta be at least our, my hope, you know, that well, some of those things will, will change because that hypocrisy is exposed. Yeah, I, I think you, you said the, you said the one word that I think is the big differentiator here and it's perspective. If, sure. if you are siloed and you have nothing else to base your experiences on, Sure. I guess I get it. But if you have the opportunity to work with, uh, you know, play games with, uh, mm. and just hang out with, or just be around in general, you'll, yeah. you will start to, well, your, your horizons will broaden, yeah. you know, yeah. you'll, you'll see that, you know, people aren't that as bad as you think they are, or, you know, a certain <laughs> type of person or religion or, you know, just get to know people and it will yeah. change your life. It puts I'm a curious. face to like, uh, it puts flesh and blood onto, you know, ideals or political parties mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Instead of just, oh, I can hate this thing because it's just nebulous or non specific. But then you, when you meet a person that is, you know, enter thing you disagree with here. Um, and you find that they're like a living, breathing human that has thoughts and feelings and dreams and fears and everything else. You take a step back and you're like, Oh, like they're yeah. like me, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. I was curious how you kind of develop. Cause you see, that seems to be like a, I don't know, for like a better word, like a core value that you have is you seem to value diversity and diversity of thought and like, um, maybe inclusivity might be a good term, but. I'm wondering how you land, how you ended up valuing those things when it seems like you feel that that wasn't embodied in your church experiences and stuff growing up. Uh, it was, uh, it was on the job experience is what it was. Um, (laughs) yeah, I, even before, like I mentioned the healthcare company I worked for, uh, I worked for a, Mm -hmm. a, a law firm at the time and that was, uh, that wasn't diverse at all. Um, so that was like for 12 years, I worked in an industry that was all like old white dudes. And, yeah. um, when I, when I moved, <laughs> when I moved on to different experiences, uh, the diversity, well, in the tech industry, I, it's super diverse and you start mm-hmm. to meet people and you start to talk to people and it just, it, it was eye-opening all the things my parents taught me to fear all of a sudden weren't scary anymore Hmm. um uh, one example uh jehovah's witness uh we were taught as at a young age you you don't open the door for those guys (laughs) yeah because they're gonna they're gonna indoctrinate you and they're crazy and they're a cult etc etc um i've worked with um a number of people who were Jehovah's witness and I, frankly, it's from how they talk about it. It's really not that far off from yeah. Christianity. I mean, the ending gets a little different with the hundred, I like to call the 144 K. Yeah. That uh, uh-huh. gets, get to go to heaven. I always, right. That's a bummer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and everything. I mean, else, I guess in like, Unless you're in the, but it still feels like a bummer, even if you're in, because it's like, well, there's a lot of people that aren't. 
you know? You'd think those slots are all filled at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, it seems like if it's only 144,000 people that are going to heaven, like, man, you're probably, we're all probably kind of screwed because, like, well, and that's, yeah, it's not many slots, like you said. And I'm probably, I'm not doing this justice either because these were all conversations that happened like maybe eight years ago. But uh, I think (laughs) what's supposed to happen is Earth becomes a sanctuary for everyone else. It's like a heaven on Earth, so to speak. So, yeah, the the whole ending thing is a little bit different uh, in terms of Jehovah's Witness. But everything else, and like, God's pretty much the same in that book. There's not a whole lot of difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was, it was hanging out with people and getting to know them, and you realized a lot of these people that sort of, you, you seem to feel like your upbringing kind of taught you to fear or to be a suspect of. Oh, changed, yeah. Changed your, your perspective. Yes. What? Where are your parents at now? Like, they still kind of kind of that way? Yeah, I'd say both of them are still uh, fairly conservative Christians. Um, yeah. Uh, practicing? Maybe my mom more than my dad, but I don't want to speak for him. We don't talk about religion all that much. Uh, but my mom, I think, has softened on some of the uh, – uh, some of the – the hardline stances, um, yeah, mm. it's like homosexuality, things like that. She softened on, uh, which is which I think is mostly by perspective. Um, yeah, we have uh, we have those in our family who identify as uh, LGBTQ plus. God, am I screwing that up? I think no, nope, you did it. You okay, it. so uh, I think that's helped her to be yeah. less judgmental. Um, I've heard so many stories like that where people, you know, or even families that, you know, are even so far one way that they're making like gay jokes or, you know, jokes at the expense of those people. And then a few years later, one of their sons comes out and, just radically changes the whole family from the inside. Now, obviously there's the other stories where that they just excommunicate the person from the family, but I've heard some of the good stories where it like actually gives the family pause and they're like, Oh, okay. Cause again, there's now a face, you know, it's not this faceless, you know, issue on a debate on Fox news or CNN or whatever. It's like now a person, yeah, how do you demonize something that is now a part of your life and a part of yep. somebody you love? So I'm curious, um, growing up in Michigan, I grew up in Indiana, um, so also grew up... Did you grow up in Detroit? I know you said you live in Detroit now. No, I'm uh, about eight miles outside of Detroit okay. and grew up in roughly the, the same area. Okay. Because I I grew up in a town that was super industrial, like car industry and all that kind of stuff. So similar-ish, I think, to Detroit and probably that kind of culture. And I mean, just hearing you talk, like I think we probably had very similar kind of upbringings just in terms of conservatism and all that. Yeah, Yeah, I would say so. Uh, Blue collar. uh, Yeah. Yeah, my my mom's side was blue collar. Uh, my grandfather worked as a foreman in a factory, and my mom went to school 
to become a nurse. And and then on my dad's side, it was mostly white collar. My grandpa was a business owner. My dad worked for Ford Motor Company as like a video editor and stuff like that. So yeah, again, two totally different. I don't even know how they got together. <laughs> you could ask collided. him. They'll probably tell you. I, you know, I, I, I have... I don't, yeah, I don't want to tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, I was bringing that up because I don't know that this thought has ever formulated in my brain before, but, like, I think they're, I mean, even if I think of my parents, like, they just kind of stay in their bubble, you know? Like, they are pretty much around the same people that believe the same kind of things, um, they've traveled like around the United States kind of, um, but even then the places they go to like are pretty much just more of the same. Um, and I don't know, like if that was kind of your experience too, of like people around you, the culture of like, they just don't, they're not, yeah, they, they've not really experienced other perspectives. You were kind of alluding to that a little bit earlier when you were talking, but I mean, was that kind of your, your take from growing up? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it, it controlled what I believed probably well into my, well into my twenties, uh, because it was the same for me. I wasn't really experiencing anything outside of where I grew up anyway. I was like maybe 10, 20 miles out and not a lot changed 10, 20 miles out. So I wonder why that is. Cause I, I find, cause I live in California now. I'm one of these hippies and <laughs> another Midwest transplant. Yeah, totally. And I get crap for it all the time. Anytime I go back for family, like it's just constant, you know, jokes about California boy. Um, but I find it's Which different. Like because... it's different here. And even I lived in Arizona before this and there's just a different value or something on like traveling or just going to different places and being with different people that I didn't really find growing up. Like most of my family were born in my hometown and will die in my hometown, you know? Yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, that's kind of, you made me sad. <laughs> Why? I'm sorry. I don't, it just, it just sounds depressing. Like not to, and I don't anything. know if it is or not, well, I guess, but I'm, yeah, I'm kind of trying, I'm processing through all this. So as fellow, about you know, it. Midwestern Midwestern boys help me out here. Yeah, there's something admirable about that. Like, I don't know, just people who I mean, I guess on the one hand it feels like maybe um lacking in um a, you know, a spirit of adventure or interest or curiosity, but then on the other hand, maybe it's, you know, people who do that are content. They like where they live and No, mm -hmm. you're right. You know, there there's something yeah, I think there can be something admirable about not yeah, just being content where you are, not feeling like you have to go out and it's do these other things. Probably safe. It's um, it's roots. I mean, there's something to be said about you know laying down roots and being a part of a community for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. It probably sounds like I'm crapping on it. I'm not. I just can't imagine. Well, it's because I've been out. I I broke those roots. Yeah. and I've <laughs> I've seen some things and. I can't imagine going back. Where would you move if you could, if you could move anywhere? You said you'd like to. Yeah. Um, I actually really like LA. Uh, I just save your money. I can't afford <laughs> it. 
we've looked at houses out there and unless I want to drive two hours in every day, expensive. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, and then, um, Seattle, uh, family and friends out there. And I'd love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love Seattle's that a cool area. Yeah. What, uh, you, you said you have, you guys have kids. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, we have a almost 12 year old son, William, and, oh, wow. uh, a two year old, almost three, uh, little girl. That's a spread. Ooh, big gap. Yeah. That was a unexpected treasure. No, no, it was expected. <laughs> it was, uh, it, it was a lot of work getting to the second one. Oh, sure. Um, and it finally, uh, she finally took, <laughs> and <laughs> that's a way, that's a way to say it. Sure. Well, it kind of, yeah. I mean, there were, there were a lot of losses in between and, uh, yeah. uh, so this last hard, one, man. as much of a blessing as she is, she is the worst <laughs> out of he, he's the best she's the worst <laughs> well, How so? she doesn't understand she's not going to hear this Krista unless you play it for her when she's a teenager so she's a, she's a wrecking ball she's just um, yeah. oh god I'm going to this sounds cliche she's I'm, I'm air quoting right now she's spirited she's super uh. spirited which means she doesn't listen to anything and she doesn't listen <laughs> different things they sound the yeah. same but she does not and uh she's almost three you said almost yeah okay i mean that's kind of common though for that age right do, do, do you have a two to three year old i have a 19 month old <laughs> i have and then i have i have a five-year-old and a eight almost eight-year-old okay so you've so, been through this yeah so i've been through it and we definitely, I definitely remember the terrible twos with all of my kids, basically. I guess that's like, all I'm trying to say. I'd be like, Drew, what do you know about this? This hell of living. <laughs> He's just trying to give you some hope. I do think it generally gets better. I mean, there's probably a few people that it never does, but it's pretty rare. So you have a pretty good shot that it will get better. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just don't screw it up. It's kind of up to you, really. <laughs> I, I feel like the worst parent every day. So, yeah, I'm sure I'm doing a terrible job. Or, I mean, yeah. a great, great Well, job. we could ask your wife. She could probably chime in on that. Yeah, she can't hear right now because I have headphones on. Shh. <laughs> She'll listen to it later. Yeah. So this is kind of a big question, but I feel like it's worth asking. How has that shaped you, like being a parent? How has that shaped your perspective on the world and the work that you do? Um. Oh, whew. man, that's a deep question. Um, he did say it was a big question. Yeah, I warned you. It, it didn't give me a whole lot of time to process. It, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it has shaped the. I've become a lot more protective, um, hmm. more Papa Bear, uh, I suppose. Um, not mm-hmm. necessarily in the content I produce or the things I listen to. Uh, it just, I don't know. I'm just way more i guess i'm a little more cynical about the world hmm. and i'm hopeful yeah. for them and that I, I at least lead them the right way um so that they can pick up at a point when they leave the nest and function as decent human beings i mean that part hmm. is stressful in its in itself um i didn't have to think about that before so it's, yeah. it's an extra level of stress um 
but there's a sense of pride that I never had before seeing them do like even mundane things. I'm like, like the little one, she, she told us to give her a minute. She's two years old, told us to give her a minute. I was like, <laughs> I was mad. Who has she heard that from? Who'd she pick that phrase up from? That's, that's my wife. And yeah. we realized that pretty quickly. She's like, I tell that's her funny. that. And I'm like, well, that's where she gets it. But I was proud. I was like, man, two-year-olds aren't supposed to say that. But like when she makes herself dizzy and hits the corner of the, the coffee table, I'm not so proud. <laughs> I'm like, you dummy. We have talked about this. Yeah. I don't know. That's part of the, it's all part of the process. Part yeah, of how I can't they learn, win them right? all. I don't think yeah. we keep arguing whether or not she's book smart or street smart. I don't think it's either. <laughs> like, like usually it's binary. You're one or the other. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what this one. Yeah, is. yeah, yeah. So, what does your son do? What's he into? Oh, he is—he's a gamer. Um, yeah, actually, out of all of the games, I Big help surprise. make uh, Bears versus Babies is his favorite. Which it, it, <laughs> nice. Which strangely enough, it's not one of the favorites out of the ones we make. But for him, he he loves the monster building stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. And he plays other 12-year-old things like Roblox. I say 12-year-old. I'm sure there are adults out there playing Roblox with the kids. <laughs> which, oh, yeah. Just why we monitor it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. But, you know, that Minecraft and, and, oh, he's really into the Five Nights at Freddy's stuff, which I will. Oh, yeah. He got the VR game, which is terrifying. And I won't play yeah. it. I, I won't do it. You it freaks you out or what? Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to be scared. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, man. That's I don't funny. do that stuff either. It's bad enough just playing the game by itself in front of a screen, but when you go VR, you are in the game, man. Yeah, and they will eat your face. <laughs> well, man, it's uh, it's been great talking to you, Paul. Um, anything that you've like, any projects you've got going on that you want to mention here or promote our oh, audience? Oh, uh, Burning Cat. Can you tell us about Burning Cat? <laughs> man, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what if you go to burningcat.com i'll plug it and then you can learn all about the burning there cat you and go. you can sign there up you and you can be a part of this thing that i know a lot about and just don't want to talk about because mm-hmm. it's a secret yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah, you're you're not on that committee we we understand <laughs> no, but uh, any projects you guys got coming up besides burning cat that you'd want to mention? Uh, we do uh not that i can mention by name but yeah we have another another game in the works and uh, stay tuned yep and we will have uh more coming so yeah Great. exciting times cool yeah and where can people follow you online oh sure um on instagram that's probably where i do things the most at uh it's at p short with two t's okay cool two t's Great. two t's awesome, man cool well we're big fans of exploding kittens and the work that you do and really enjoyed having you on the podcast and so um yeah definitely encourage people to go check out on instagram and go check out uh burning burning cats i always want to say just burning singular kittens. cat yeah, just burning, burning cat. cat burning cat right because like just burning the man. one yeah, Burning Cat. Got it. Uh, and uh, go check out what we're doing at Love Thy Nerd. Go to lovethynerd.com. Uh, check out our Facebook community. Just search for Love Thy Nerd community on Facebook and ask to join. And then like us on Facebook, too. Just search for Love Thy Nerd and, and click like. Uh, we're on all the on the social all the social medias, Instagram, 
uh, Twitter. Check us out there. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm DrewDixon82. Um, we have a whole podcast network that you should check out. We have a, a comic book podcast called The Pull List. We have a general nerd culture podcast that gets into all areas of nerddom called Free Play. Go uh, search for those on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you do podcasts and, and uh, rate and review those, and we'd really appreciate it. Uh, that helps us a lot. If you'd like to support what we do, I mean, really, to be honest with you, we can't do any of this without some financial backing. So, um, yeah, consider uh, helping us out. Just go to lovelander.com slash give, right? Partner. Partner, sorry. lovelander.com slash partner. And you can consider supporting this podcast and all the efforts that we do. Um, maybe you'd like to come on a trip with us. We're going to Gen Con soon. And we'll go to some more trips later this year and into 2020. Uh, we've got our own convention called Love Thy Nerd Con, uh, LTN Con in Dallas in October. Um, what are the dates, Chris? Mm, exact dates? What a great question. October <laughs> 4th through the 6th. October 4th through the 6th, so it's a yeah, weekend just trip. go to ltncon.info. I know as much about it as Paul knows about Burning Cat. Yeah, yeah. It's super cheap, <laughs> and also, I mean, you can get a cheap, cheap air. Dallas is one of the cheapest places to fly. So go get a cheap, if you need to fly, go get a cheap ticket. Come hang out with us. Uh, we'll play some games. We'll have some sessions. It's going to be great. So uh, I guess that's it for us. Paul again. Thanks so much, man. Hey, thanks for having me. This was great. Appreciate it, dude. And that's going to do it for this week's LTN Rewind. Thank you for joining us as we take in this trip back in time. We hope you enjoyed this interview with Paul Short. And there will be a new LTN Rewind next week. So make sure you're here for that. In case nobody else tells you, we promise that it's true. Jesus loves you, nerd. Nerd.